السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ If there's sajda that comes, then we can do sajda, right? Like in the car. But then you said, if you're reciting with the qari, only no, then... No. What I meant was that if you are listening to the recitation, okay, for example in the car, or in the kitchen or anywhere, you're listening to somebody else recite, whether it is recording or a live recitation from the radio maybe, then in that case, you will only do sajda tilawa if the reciter does sajda tilawa. Okay? However, if you are reciting yourself and you happen to be in the car and you happen to recite a verse of Sajda Tilawa, then in that case, while you're driving, what can you do? You can just gesture, right? You can lower your head and do Sajda like that. So in the recording, usually when you're listening to a recording, then the reciter does not really do Sajda, right? There's no Allahu Akbar and there's no Allahu Akbar again. And even if the reciter were to do that, it's a recording, it's not a live recitation. So even for that, the scholars say that you don't have to. Okay. Any other question about the text of the hadith? I hear questions outside of class. But when I'm in class and I ask you for questions, then how come the questions don't come? Hmm? Yes, sister. Yes, Jazakallah khairan. Bab 5, what page is it in your books? Page number 2. Hmm? Bab number 5 in your book it says the second hadith that wal mushriku najasun laysa lahu wudu'un wa kana ibn umar radiyallahu anhuma yasjudu ala ghayri wudu' the word ghayri is missing over here okay the word ghayri is missing in your text so please make sure that you write it down how will you write ghayri ghayn ya ra okay any other question Okay, why is it that some ahadith begin with haddathana and some narrations that we read in the book, they begin with waqala, so and so. Hmm? The reason is that where it says haddathana, Imam Bukhari is mentioning the hadith. He's narrating hadith. He's saying that so and so teacher narrated this hadith to us and he brings a whole chain of narration. Alright? But in some places, he does not bring a hadith, he just mentions a statement. Alright? Like for example, وَقَالَ Imran bin Hussain. Imran bin Hussain, the companion, such and such incident happened, and he said this and this. Alright? So over there, he's not mentioning it with the narration, he's just quoting something. And the reason why he would quote it, is because the narration of that particular incident does not necessarily meet the high standard of Imam Bukhari. Alright, Imam Bukhari had a very high standard when it came to authenticity. He would only take the most authentic narrations and record them. So if there was a narration that did not meet his strict criteria, but it was still acceptable near other scholars, 
Alright? Imam Bukhari will not narrate it in his book as a hadith. He will just mention it as a statement. You understand? He will mention it as a statement to make a certain point or to establish proof for something. Okay? Any other question? Yes. Okay, very good. So it says about Ibn Abbas, page number two, the first line, it says, قَالَ هُبْنُ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Ibn Abbas رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا عَنْهُمَا means, may Allah be pleased with both of them. Right? Whereas only one person is mentioned, and who is that? Ibn Abbas. That's one person, Abdullah ibn Abbas. But why is it said, may Allah be pleased with both of them? Because it's Abdullah ibn Abbas. Abdullah, the son of Abbas. And both of them were who? Abdullah and Abbas were both who? Companions of the Prophet wasallam. Likewise, when we read the name Abdullah ibn Umar, again, over there, usually you will see Anhuma. Okay. So in, in many hadiths there is written two, three times Haddasana. So what I understood that the first time it is written Haddasana, the name of that person is his teacher. Yes, you understood correctly. That to figure out who is the teacher of Imam Bukhari, how do we check that in the chain of narration? Right? So when you read Haddasana, so and so, the first name after Haddasana, that is Imam Bukhari's teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, if you say A'udhu Billah once at the beginning, then no, yeah, no need. Okay? Alright. Yes. Okay. The question is that if you are reciting a surah, the last ayah of which is of sajda tilawa, right? And let's say you're reciting it in prayer, you completed the recitation of the surah, now what do you do? You will go into sajda tilawa, alright? You will get up from sajda tilawa, and then from there again you will do Allahu Akbar and go into Rukur. Okay? Because you completed your recitation. Okay, let's begin. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Kitabu Taqseer. The book of At-Taqseer. Shortening the prayer. Taqseer. Qassara yuqassiru. Taqseer is to shorten, reduce, lessen something. Okay? And this refers to shortening the prayer during travel. When a person is traveling, then they do not pray the complete prayer, rather they're supposed to shorten it. How? This is only with the four raka'ah prayer, which is Zuhr, Asr, and Isha. So where it is four raka'ah, you will shorten it and perform only how many? Two. When it comes to Fajr prayer, you don't shorten it. And when it comes to Maghrib prayer, again, you don't shorten that. Alright? So, Kitabu Taqseer, shortening the prayer. This is in particular shortening or reducing the four to two. A little bit about shortening the prayer before we begin studying the hadith. Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrated, and this is a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, which inshallah we will read later on in the chapter. Aisha radiallahu anha said that when the prayer was first enjoined, it was two rak'ah. So at the beginning, when the Muslims were commanded to pray, and this was in Makkah, alright, 
when the Muslims were commanded to pray, how many rakah would they perform? Two. Even for Zuhur and Asr, alright, they would perform two. Then, the prayer of the traveler remained like that, but the prayer of the one who was not traveling was increased to four. So what happened later? After the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, for the resident, the prayer was how much? Four. It was increased to four. But for the traveler, it remained how much? Two. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah said that the Prophet ﷺ used to shorten the four rakar prayers. He used to shorten the four rakar prayers, praying them with two rakar. From when to when? From the time that he set out traveling until he returned to Medina. So from the time that he began his journey, he left Medina, until the time that he returned to Medina. So throughout the journey, what would he do? He would shorten the four to two. And he said there is no sound report from him to suggest that he ever offered four rakah prayers while traveling. So there is no sound narration that tells us that while traveling, the Prophet ﷺ performed four rakah for zuhur, or four for asr, or four for isha. Always when he traveled, what would he do? He would shorten the four to two. This was the established practice of the Prophet ﷺ. And just a question, how frequently, how often did the Prophet ﷺ travel? How often did he travel? A lot. I mean, if you, if you study the seerah, especially the Medinan era, what do we learn? One expedition after the other. One journey after the other. So in every journey, what was the way of the Prophet ﷺ? He shortened the prayer. No matter how far that journey was, and no matter how long it was for. When he traveled, he shortened the prayer. This was his way. Okay? So, remember this principle. Whenever he traveled, he shortened the prayer. Regardless of how long the journey was, regardless of the duration and the distance. The duration and the distance did not matter. When he traveled, he shortened the prayer. Now, remember this when we study the hadith. Okay? The first bab, bab ma jaa fi taqsiri wa kam yuqimu hatta yaqsura. Bab chapter ma jaa fi taqsir. What is it that has been reported that has been narrated concerning shortening the prayer? Wa kam yuqimu and for how long does a person has to reside? Does a person have to stay hatta yaqsur so that he may be allowed to shorten the prayer? So there's two things that Imam Bukhari is mentioning in this bab. Firstly, what has been reported concerning Salatul Taqseer? Is it even a sunnah? Is it even proven from the sunnah? Did the Prophet ﷺ ever do it? And secondly, how long does the journey have to be, meaning its duration, so that a person may be allowed to shorten the prayer? Is it one day, two days, three days, 19 days, 30 days? How many days? Alright? What do you know? What have you heard? What have you done? 
What do you know about shortening the prayer? When are you allowed to shorten the prayer? Okay. So she was taught that if you are staying longer than three days at a certain place, then you don't shorten the prayer. But if it's up to three days, two days, three days, one day, then you can shorten the prayer. Okay. What else do you know? Anybody has done anything different ever? Yes? Okay, so for up to two to three weeks, you can shorten the prayer, lucky you. And uh, what happens otherwise, if you are staying for a month or two months, then what are you going to do? According to what you have learned, you're going to pray? Okay. Okay, so another thing, which is that if you are sure about how long you're going to stay for, so for example, you know that you're staying for one month, then what are you going to do? Pray, complete full prayer. Okay, and if you're not sure, if you're going to stay for a week, for three weeks, for a month, for six months, for one year, then you will continue to shorten the prayer. Okay, has anybody done or heard or learned anything different? Yes? Oh. Okay. So if you go from where you live to your parents' house, okay, let's say you're married, and now you are visiting your parents in a different country, in a different continent, and you're going only for a week, you will still perform the full prayer because technically you are at home. Hmm? This is what the sister was taught. That technically you're at home, you're going to your parents' house, so your parents' house is your house, therefore you will perform the full prayer. But this is very interesting because oftentimes it happens with many young women, they go to their parents' house in a different country, but does it really feel like home? Does it? No, it doesn't because you don't have a room there anymore. You're staying in your brother's room who's going to be sleeping in the living room maybe. Right? And Or maybe... You know, you've been given the guest room, right? You're living out of the suitcases. You no longer know what is where and how things are run because you haven't lived in that house for the past like six, seven years maybe. So, okay, this is what the sister was taught. Anything else that you have heard? Yes? 70 kilometers. Hmm. Okay, that only when you are beyond 70 kilometers from your home, will you be allowed to shorten the prayer? So if it is less than 70, then the sister was taught that you don't shorten the prayer. Okay, anything else? Uh, I remember when I used to visit my father-in-law, so he used to shorten the prayer because it was more than 70 kilometers. Even my husband used to shorten the prayer. Okay, good. Uh, anything else? Yes? Okay. Okay. So another thing which is that people say that today when you travel, you sit on a plane comfortably for like a couple of hours and you reach your destination, you don't need to shorten your prayer because you're not traveling the way the Prophet ﷺ used to travel or the people back then would travel. So you should not shorten your prayer, you should perform the full prayer. Okay. Anything else? Okay, so another thing that if your daily commute is more than 70 kilometers, uh, still you will not shorten the prayer. Okay, go ahead. 
So she was taught that you only shorten while you travel, not when you reach your destination. Interesting. Yes. If you cross a lake or a river, then that would be long distance. Hmm. That would be very convenient for people who live in Mississauga, going to Toronto. Anyway, who's confused about the matter of shortening the prayer? Now everybody is. That's the thing. The moment you start discussing this topic, what happens? Confusion, right? So for example, you're traveling somewhere with your family, and it's time to pray, and everybody's looking at each other. You give the fatwa. Do we shorten the prayer or not? Right? There's a confusion. And because there's so many opinions out there, and especially if you Google this question, then good luck. So there is a lot of confusion. So we will begin studying this chapter with the prayer, with the dua, that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove our biases and guide us to that which is most correct near Him. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us clarity regarding this issue. So that the next time we're traveling, if we are shortening our prayers, we are doing it with sharh sadr, with confidence. Right? Insha'Allah. Okay, so let's begin with the first hadith. حدثنا موسى بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا أبو عوانة عن عاصم وحسين عن عكرمة عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما. Notice over here, Ikrima is taking the hadith from who? Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه. Have you heard of the name Ikrima before? If you study any Islamic book, any Islamic text, you will come across this name a lot. Ikrima said such and such. Alright? This is not Ikrima, the companion. This is Ikrima, the tabi'i. Alright? He was a student of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. So he said, Qala he said, Aqama nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama tis'ata ashara yaqsuru. فَنَحْنُ إِذَا سَافَرْنَا تِسْعَةَ عَشَرَ قَصَرْنَا وَإِنْزِدْنَا أَتْمَمْنَا Ibn Abbas reported that the Prophet ﷺ once aqama aqama as in he stayed somewhere for how long? تِسْعَةَ عَشَرَ Nineteen days. So once the Prophet ﷺ traveled and when he reached that place he stayed there for 19 days. And throughout those 19 days, what was he doing? Yaqsuru. He was shortening the prayer. There goes your three days principle. Hmm? He shortened the prayer. So Ibn Abbas said that, فَنَحْنُ إِذَا سَافَرْنَا So we, meaning the companions later, whenever we traveled for تِسْعَةَ عَشَرَ For 19 days, what would we do? Qasarna. We would also shorten the prayer. Wa inzitna. And if we were to stay there for more than 19 days, then atmamna. We would complete the prayer. Meaning we would perform the full prayer. We would not shorten it. Alright? So from this hadith, first of all we see that the Prophet ﷺ is proven to have shortened the prayer. So shortening the prayer during travel is a sunnah. It's proven from sunnah. Because some people say that, no, no, you should not shorten the prayer. No, the Prophet ﷺ shortened the prayer, so we should also 
shorten the prayer. Some said that it is actually wajib, it's mandatory to shorten the prayer. And others said that it's only recommended. But the safest thing, the best thing to say is that it is a sunnah. Alright? The Prophet ﷺ did this. Good question. That do you shorten for up to 19 days and then after that you complete the prayer? No. When you go there and you know that you're going to be staying there according to this hadith, if you are staying there for 30 days, you know that. Alright? The length of the duration is more than 19. Then according to this principle, you're going to perform the full prayer. Alright? But if you are going somewhere and you know that you're staying only for 5 days, only for 10 days, 10 is less than 19. So what will you do? Shorten the prayer. Okay? So according to this hadith. I know you have questions, but let's study a little bit. Hopefully your questions will get answered. If they don't get answered, then inshallah ask. So this particular journey that is mentioned in, in this hadith, this was during the conquest of Makkah, Fath Makkah. When the Prophet ﷺ went for the conquest of Makkah, he stayed in Makkah for 19 days. So based on this hadith, according to Ibn Abbas, the traveler will shorten the prayer if his journey is less than, or if his stay is less than 19 days. But if it's more than 19 days, then he has to complete the prayer. Okay? Those who say that, no, it's only three days. Right? How can they deny this hadith of Bukhari? They don't deny it. What they say is that the Prophet ﷺ stayed in Makkah for 19 days, not deliberately. When he reached Makkah, he didn't know how long he was going to stay for. It was just that one day after the other, after the other, you know, things came up, work came up, and then by the time he left, he had stayed in Makkah for 19 days. Okay? However, let's look at the next hadith. حدثنا أبو معمر قال حدثنا عبد الوارث قال حدثنا يحيى بن أبي إسحاق قال سمعت أنسًا Now this is the hadith of Anas رضي الله عنه يقول he said that خرجنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من المدينة إلى مكة فكان يصلي ركعتين ركعتين حتى رجعنا إلى المدينة قلت أقمتم بمكة شيئا قال أقمنا بها عشرا So Anas رضي الله عنه is reporting alright and he's saying that خرجنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم we went out with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم من المدينة from مدينة إلى مكة to مكة So once we set out with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from مدينة and we went all the way to Makkah. And while we were in Makkah, فَكَانَ يُصَلِّي رَكْعَتَيْنِ رَكْعَتَيْنِ Throughout the stay, he performed two rak'ah, meaning he shortened the prayer. حَتَّى رَجَعْنَا إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ Until we returned to Medina. So for the journey to Makkah, then the stay in Makkah, the whole time the Prophet ﷺ shortened the prayer. So قُلْتُ Abu Ishaq, who is, sorry, Yahya ibn Abi Ishaq, who is taking the hadith from Anas, he asked Anas that, أَقَمْتُمْ بِمَكَّةَ شَيْئًا That, did you stay in Makkah at all? Like, the whole trip, 
the Prophet ﷺ shortened the prayer, did he actually reside as in stay in Mecca or was he constantly traveling? قَالَ أَقَمْنَا بِهَا عَشْرًا He said, we stayed in Mecca for 10 days. We stayed there for 10 days. So again now, 10 is more than, more than 3. Right? So, according to this again, you know, this would be a different opinion than the 3-day opinion. Anyway, this was the journey of Hajjatul Wada' the farewell pilgrimage. Okay, the Prophet ﷺ arrived in Mecca on the 4th of the month and he left for Medina on the 14th. So 4th to 14th, the duration was how many days? 10 days. And in fact, we learned that in these 10 days, of course this was Hajjatul Wada'a, so the Prophet ﷺ performed Hajj. And for the rituals of Hajj, where do you have to go? You have to go to Mina, you have to go to Muzdalifah, isn't it? You have to go to Arafah, Correct? So, from other narrations we learned, the Prophet ﷺ stayed in Mecca for four days, and the six days were of Hajj. Okay? But Anas radiallahu anhu, what does he say? What is his understanding? Did he separate the days in Mecca from the days of Hajj? No. He just took the whole trip, the whole journey. Alright? So his understanding was that the whole journey, the whole time that you're out of your house, you shorten the prayer just like the Prophet ﷺ did. Alright?